Dispatching from Block Island, this is Allison Morfold, the Director of the Wellness and Risk Reduction Program at the Block Island Medical Center, and Kristen Bauman, Director of the Island Free Library. This is Wake Up Well, a community conversation around wellness in the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Thanks for joining us. And so I came out here and everything, everything changed. I became, you know, I, I'm living on this little tiny island now, is my only residence now. And my world got bigger. So Allison has tasked me, uh, uh, per usual, I was somewhat, you know, this was somewhat foreshadowed, to introduce our guest this week. And, you know, when I was thinking about my introduction the past few days, walking down the hill right now, I thought, geez, I can't introduce her. She, her I don't even know what her name is. I got her email and that's not even what I call her. So I'm hoping our, our friend Briggs will introduce herself today and uh, tell us where she's from. And, um, and then we're gonna talk to her a little bit about coming to Block Island and, and what she does here. Well, Briggs is, my name is Marjorie Briggs Whiteford and I was um, called Briggs my whole life because my mother's name is Marjorie. So I have always used my middle name but officially, my first name is Marjorie, so maybe that's that's where that was. I think it was the Marjorie Whiteford. But uh, Briggs is a great name. How lucky did you get that you had that as a middle name? Well, now it now it feels that way. But growing up, I was horrified to have the name Briggs because that oh. was a boy's name. I, I got invited to all the boys' birthday parties because the mothers would just look at the list, and I'd have to go the only girl at these little six-year-old birthday parties. But now I've, I've grown into my name. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I like it very much now. Um, so I, I've been coming to Block Island since I was a sailor. I sailed out here for the first time. My mother's from Newport and I'm from South Carolina. So we would come up to Newport in the summers and my cousins were great sailors. So I would come out here on the boats and sleep on boats and I just completely fell in love with Block Island. I fell in love with the weather. I fell in love with the, the water. I, I just felt this was where I wanted to be. This was, this was how, how can I get here? I just wanted to be here out of, out of the South. And all of the um, sort of cultural expectations of me as a woman in the South, I was, um, Oh God, I can't, it's hard to believe it's in, even in this lifetime, but I was, I was part of like a debutante and I was, you know, the whole country club scene. And it was, it was, I was cramped in that world. I didn't know how, I was an artist. I started painting at 17. And once I started to paint, my whole life made sense to me because it really didn't make sense in, in, you know, living in a Southern culture in that way. So I, I, I wanted to be up here and I, I was a, my first career was a theater teacher. So I really started painting sets and that's kind of how I, you know, got into it. And 
then I got a job at St. George's School in, New in Middletown, Rhode Island. And so that was kind of my way in to being in Rhode Island. I ended up marrying, uh, moving to New York, and then I, I came out here for the summers and I would spend the whole summer out here with my kids. And we would get a little cottage, a little shack, and I would teach art and teach yoga. And then um, that allowed me to stay out here all summer. So that was, that was really, I think my first real inspiration, I, I knew there was something out here for me. And I, um, I started painting watercolors out here just real I, I was just doing really like there was it was inviting an, a creative spirit um, through me and so my art became more and more a central part of my life but it was really the the scenes and the and the air and the and the um, the openness of the Block Island landscape that inspired my first series of work that you know was the beginning of my life as an artist and i've had a vast amount of um experiences since then as an artist all the way up until you know being in new york in march i had spent the last three years in a studio in greenwich village painting with um some of the some of the best artist alive, um, connected. I had a very firm link to the art world because I was, had a studio in the New York Studio School, which is where all of the abstract expressionist artists painted from de Kooning, Motherwell. Um, so I actually painted in Philip Guston's studio for three years. And I, I developed a um, body of work during that time that you know, I wanted to be relevant to the art world. I wanted to have a make a contribution to that, to the contemporary art world, and um, and I did. I finished. I did three years worth of work. I had a final review there, and it, to me, it was one of the most important shows of my life because it was it was not a show to sell art, but it was a show to introduce myself in. A company of people I truly respected as artists. And I spent two weeks in my studio, you know, just getting ready for the, that show, pulling together this three years worth of work. And then I was done. I was completely done. I've, I felt totally complete. I've done everything I've wanted to do in creating this kind of art. And then coronavirus hit. And I think I would have been eaten alive in the New York art world if I hadn't left when I left. Because I was so caught up in it, I couldn't tell the difference between what was real and what was just like a lot of definitions about art, um, you know, a lot of theories about art. But, but I, had, I had kind of lost my connection with nature because I was in the city. I was living an urban life for three years. And fortunately, I had bought a house out here, just really just starved for, you know, this connection to the natural world. And when coronavirus hit 
and it hit hard New York City. It was scary to be in New York City at that time. Um, I mean, I was afraid to touch anything and I was afraid of people and the numbers were just soaring in New York City and we were, we were really alarmed. The buildings were, you know, closing down right and left and I, um, I just fled. I, I mean, I remember just this, like I felt like a refugee. I have to get out of here. And so I loaded up my truck with as much as I could and I, I was able to break my lease, which was kind of, you know, quite a move because that was, you know, um, a contract for me to pay this exorbitant rent and they allowed me to break my lease. And so I came out here and everything, everything changed. I became, you know, I, I'm living on this little tiny island now, is my only residence now. And my world got bigger. But you had, you did, just to go back to your story for a couple of points or a couple of points that I wrote, um, is that you did have, um, you know, a sense of this going to happen anyway, right? Because it sounded like your uh, country club world was small too, right? And confining, I think you said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And so you did know that there, you had the capacity to be bigger and do something different. You know, that's, that's really like the, that painting came to you in that way. And with that finale is some trajectory. Right. And, you know, really, I, I, painting was my way, you know, that I, I had, that was my way in, that was my way in and my way out. It, when you say in, you're saying a lot of things, right? You're saying into yourself, into Rhode Island, into painting, into the art world. Yes, for sure. It was my way in, my, my way in to a more expanded reality, which was, as I've come to find out, you know, um, the, the interior world, you know, the, the inner world and the multidimensional um, world that exists beyond that really narrow scope of external reality and systems, vertical structures, you know, all of those things in the external world that are very um, narrow. And it wasn't really an escape for me. It was really more of a way in, a way, a way to freedom, not, not a, an escape. And Block Island also was not really an escape from the real world. It was a way into the real world because what the real world is to me, you know, is that connection with nature and, and the community here. You know, there's, there's such a heartfelt community here that that feels more real. And, you know, the creative spirit that this island invites. Yeah, I, I love what you said. One thing I noticed is that Block Island features as sort of a source of inspiration sort of all along the way. And although you didn't come here, you, know, you hadn't settled here at, at that point, it sort of was already playing a role in your creativity and your development as an artist. And so it feels sort of natural that when you were feeling like you were at a turning point artistically and what was going on in New York with the coronavirus, you were able to come here 
uh, feels very fitting. Yeah, it's like, even as I was saying it this morning, I hadn't ever, I hadn't quite put it all together of how much Block Island has been a major pull um, towards me and my growth and my evolution. So that was a, that was a moment of uh, revelation for me as I was saying it even. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is my mother is from Rhode Island. I hadn't, this spring, I, um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing and I'm, writing my mother's story. And I hadn't really realized, you know, my mother's gone now, but I felt that there was a connection with her and that she really wants me to write this story, mm-hmm. her story. But it's also my story. And it's also, you know, a, a multi-generational story that's connected to the bigger story of what's happening on the planet right now. And so I, I, that was also like, wow, I'm here. Here I am. I, I don't quite know how it all happened, but I'm here in my matriarchal um, homeland. Mm. And that feels really like home to me. So yeah, these things, they're, they're, they come from, you know, a deeper place that we don't always understand. And I certainly didn't understand it, but I was following it all along. Briggs, I'm wondering, like, as I hear you talking and sort of something I really am always interested in when I speak to someone who's an artist is how do you conceptualize creativity? Like, how do you, I guess another way to ask it would be, what's your process or how do you understand that process within you? If that makes sense. Wow. Yeah, that's such a big question. And of course, I think about that all the time. Like I said, I've had so many periods of, of my art um, where, you know, the process has brought me, you know, to a lot of different phases in my art um, life, my production of art. So it's constantly changing and evolving. And if it isn't, then it's not real. I mean, there's no, there's no formula to this. It's just constantly facing the unknown and being willing to be uncomfortable in that mystery. You know, where is this taking me next? And, um, you know, I've gone through phases of um, producing landscapes for years. I would go to the South of France every year and completely take off my hat as a mother, as a, as a corporate wife and just totally immerse myself as an artist. And, and I had another friend who lives in the South of France. So we would just go out every morning at sunrise and, and then take a break and go out again in midday and then go out again in the evening so that we could not think. We just wanted nature to be our teacher. And we would just bring canvases out, a full loaded palette and just go at it without, without even looking at the painting and then just do the next painting. And that would, I would do that every year for many years. And so that was, that was one phase where I just let nature teach me and just get out of the way. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really um, trying to make anything, but, but they became really um, popular paintings. I sold almost every one of them through those years because they were so spontaneous and so connected, I think. I felt connected. Um, 
And then I went through a phase where I really wanted to understand perceptual art. I wanted to understand seeing and how to, how to make art that was a metaphor for what I was seeing. So that went on for years. I did huge um, uh, charcoal drawings from looking at the model. And so that went on and I just, that, that was more, that process was about connecting, you know, to life, you know, and, and, and the figure, which is, a, you know, just life itself. And so I did that for years. And then these last series of paintings in New York, I started to let go of the form and I started to do blindfold paintings so that I was really trying to get out of perception and and go deeper into what, what kind of mysteries, I mean, it was, it was a very Jungian process, like what wants to be said through me? What is dreaming me? What wants, and then I would look at the painting and it would, it would speak to me and then I would work, that would be the conversation. Um, so the, you know, there's, it's always, and now I, I'm really, I don't wanna put any more, um, oil paintings out in the world it's enough there's enough oil there's too much oil paintings out there and all those cadmiums and cobalts going into the earth i you know i don't want to add to that and so i am now working very lightly on rice paper and ink and that's it you know just um non-toxic materials I don't have a studio anymore because I want to get out of the studio. The whole notion of the genius in the studio working just feels so, just so passe for me right now. I want, I want to be in life and I want, um, I want to be making art that is just about marks and that isn't trying to be anything other than that. I'm not trying to create a form from it. I'm, I'm just letting all of that go. And I don't know where that's going to lead. I mean, I don't know if anyone will ever see this art, but that's not why I'm making it. I love that. For me, the, the common theme through all of this is the theme of connecting. Like, it feels like that, if I could sum up what you just said, it's this sort of drive to connect, you know, with whatever, fill in the blank of what that is. But in the moment, you're trying to connect with all these different forces you know, if we just let go of the obsession of wanting to figure things out and why things are the way they are and just follow this sort of mysterious dance that is always right here. And just all we have to do is turn towards that and, um, you know, then just catch the echoes of that is really what, um, is what I'm trying to do right now in my creative process. I, I'm wondering, like, so you're getting back to this sustainable, simplified, what feels like stripped down art. Like when I hear you say that, I'm thinking like back to basics of like um, really instinctual marks and things that really speak to how you're feeling without any concern for maybe the result or what you're producing. And how much of that is related to COVID, because there's a certain theme in COVID, I feel like, of sort of asking us 
question, asking us to question all the major constructs, materialism, um, those aspects of our lives. And this, the pandemic has kind of helped us strip all that down. Is that part of this journey for you, do you think? Oh, I do think so. I, you know, again, everything is happening um, at such a, you know, such a deep level that it's not something we can, you know, analyze and think about, you know, it was, it's like, it's time to get out of New York, go, you know, not, no thinking, just, just gather your things and get out. And so I think in the same way that the, the, um, the skies cleared during the time that, that there was no more travel and, you know, we were able to see more clearly without the obstructions and the pollution. I think that also is happening on, on an interior way where people, you know, are able to, like things are clearing because of staying at home and not traveling and not going to work. And that perhaps it's, you know, an opportunity or a possibility is being created to see things more clearly. Mm -hmm. And without all of the um, add-ons, you know, like um, with my art, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be in a gallery. It doesn't have to be uh, even seen for it to, for, for, for the process to be very nourishing. It's like, you know, the point of doing it is to be connected to that flow, that connected to life, connected to non-human relationships, you know, like the weather or mm -hmm. a tree. And, you know, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's something about getting out of the ordinary mind you know, that, that mind that, you know, getting things done and all the stressors and all the ways that life besieges us to get things done, that gives the opportunity or the possibility of actually finding the trailhead. Like, okay, this is where I can start. Let, let me see where this leads. And so that's, that's how I think COVID is, you know, allowing this creative action to start, you know, hopefully is what, I don't even want to say hopefully, it's not hope. It's not, there's no more hope. I don't even believe in hope right now. I, I believe in the possibility of something new coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it strikes me like when you're talking about your time in New York and sort of a very traditional, um, almost like apprentice-y role in a studio where you're learning, you know, all from all these amazing people. And you said that your goal was to be relevant. You had this need to be relevant in the art world. And it's so interesting to me that you've kind of, through this process, feels like that's probably the last thing you're thinking about right now, but the experience that you're having is super relevant. Exactly, that's very well said, thank you. Again, I'm having revelations just while I'm talking. <laughs> because you know, all of, all of this happened so quickly, I haven't really, I, you know, I haven't really thought about it. I've just kind of been in the instinctual, like, oh, this is what's next. But, but when I look back on the life I had in New York and, you know, it just, it all seems so meaningless now, mm -hmm. but I'm glad I did it. I mean, I'm really glad I did it. I'll never have to look back and wonder, did I, you know, did I not, um, you know, have that experience? I know, I know that it's meaningless. <laughs> I know that a lot of it is meaningless and it's all about, a product um, 
the art world is just as much of a vertical structure as every other world. You know, the, the artists that are making all the money and, and their art really isn't anything interesting at all. It's just, you know, that's the artist of the year and everyone wants their paintings. And so you go to the art auctions and the art, art fairs and everyone's fighting for them, you know, millions of dollars for a piece of nothing that means nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that, that's what I, I see now that it's like the fashion industry, you know, just whatever's the next new trend, let's sell that. Mm. And you miss the, you know, the real embodied experience of connecting not everyone, but it's easy to get caught up in that in New York when you don't have nature as as the guide. I'm reading um, a, a book that's just out. It's it's by a woman named Glennon Doyle, and it, the book is Untamed. And. Uh, yeah, and so she does put some language to this. I, I think I find it very, uh, a very good read. And she has language about like, stop following the memo. That memo was not written for us, is not about us. You know, when you say constraints and, and constrictions, you know, she uses language like that, but also like the memo, that's not about who we are and about, um, really letting go of all of that. And you spoke of this too. And like, you know, standing in the fear, standing in the unknown, standing in knowing and trusting yourself that you're going to make the, a good decision and that it's going to be okay. And it may be hard. You know, she writes a lot about that. Like this is by no means is any of this going to be easy all the time, but it's still your truth and your knowing and your journey as opposed to the memo, right? The memo is, Get married, be a mother, have a career, do the laundry, keep the garden nice, you know, you know, even as a, a, a liberated person of that, we understand that memo, you know, we've at least seen it or heard it. And, uh, and, and I, I listened to the conversation and I think, yeah, so is that book like, was that also COVID timed, <laughs> right? Cause she is, like, yeah. yeah, you know, was, was she, is she also, She's obviously on this journey as well. So I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm thinking of that journey and how lucky we are to, to know you Briggs and for you to share it so openly and, and to recognize that there are other women also on this journey. And so what, what, what's becoming of us? Where are we going? It's interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I love that, the memo. That's great. Oh, yeah. I, my, my word for it is the program. Yeah. I've been, I've been programmed, really programmed. Yeah. And, yeah. and now I'm in this time that I'm so fortunate to be on Block Island. So for, I mean, every day I'm just, I'm so happy because I can, this is a place where I can really deconstruct the program. Yeah. I, I haven't put on high heel shoes since yeah. March, you know. I haven't dressed up or done my hair and I am so connected through Zoom. Connected to the natural earth. When you don't put on your heels, you are closer to the earth. It, it is so powerful. um, What happens to the nervous system when we are living in nature and affected by nature and breathing um, 
the trees and the wetlands and the ocean. It's, it's so powerful and, and yet so subtle, but it changes, it changes you. And it helps to deconstruct that memo and that program that we're given that really isn't um, in our, in our best interest. It, it's not in the best interest of the earth. It's not in the, it's not in the best interest of the animals. And, and it changes a person by, you know, just living in nature this way. Yeah. And she says that when you do that, your imagination and your creativity grows and this mm -hmm. sense of like, you know, that women have to do this because, uh, you know, the status quo, the patriarchy doesn't want this to happen. That loses their, you know, their power and their grip. And so she says, you know, we, we have to do this. We have to say how much pa more powerful and how much better this reality would be if, if women were able to, you know, let go of the memo and live in their own knowing is her language, their own knowing and their own creativity. Yeah. She says, I love that. And let it yeah. burn. This is what she, she writes. She tells this story about Adam and Eve and, you know, it's a memoir book. And so she's like in CCD class and she learns about Adam and Eve. And then like chapters, you know, essays later, she comes back to it and she says, um, trust yourself, eat the apple, let it burn. <laughs> I love that. Oh, she's so good. I, mean, I think we're, that's exactly so where we are right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and we really, we really need the support because I mean, it's the old story of the patriarchy is so over, but you know, we still have to, you know, we still have to have the support to create this new story. And those are just great. That's just great language to, oh, yeah. Well, I think, so I was, obviously, I was reflecting on reading that this week as I was listening, but I think, you know, she has great language, but you have great art, or just even, you know, your idea of, of the art not being seen, but the art being done as so powerful is, you know, a teeny tiny bit familiar to me as an old Black Island friend. He created the... Um, Oh crap, I shouldn't quote it if I don't know what it is, but it's like the Invisible Art Museum. And it's that sense, I think, that you know, that you just, you don't have to see it, just know that it was done and it's art and it exists. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. So you're set, you know, so yes, this woman can write about what's happening and is very articulate with words, but I think, you know, your path is, is as, as valuable, if not more, you know, that. Well, I, I always wonder, you know, why it is that there's this impulse within me and within all humans. It's the, really the, you know, beginning of time in cave paintings and ancient art. You know, there is something about putting marks down to describe our experience that makes us feel more human. Yeah. And I think that's why I do it. You know, it's, it's how I can relate because it is a language. It's, you know, marks. And, and, and it has an energy to it, that energy for, for anyone who wants to understand it or is ready to understand it, they will understand it. So it's like, I'm creating a language of, you know, this new, this new way of being, this new way of feeling every day, you know, a newness or an emptiness, you know, that's, that's has possibility.
Yeah. And I, I look, I'm listening to you guys and I'm thinking about sort of the dismantling or deprogramming of all these constructs that we live with and how that in the moment when they're kind of coming down around us, it feels very scary and it can feel like whatever's about to happen is actually the opposite of what we need, right? Because we're so programmed and used to the construct, the memo, all this language is great. But what I am hearing from you, Briggs, and from you, Kristen, is the, the necessity to connect to that thing inside us that's kind of going to guide us down this path. Because in fact, when we dismantle the constructs, we're connecting to our true selves mm-hmm. and sort of our true essence, if that's not too extreme. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, part it of the formulating of, of this new path that we're going on. And, and it's part of the COVID lesson. Strip yeah. Down. Strip down. Yeah. And there's, there's a huge amount of grief out there because, because there, it is letting go of, you know, I mean, it's, everything we know, every, all the ways we've defined ourselves in connection with each other in the earth, all is, it's all going into the mud, you know, we gotta, we gotta let it go. And, and there is grief in letting go. And I think that, you know, people don't know how to be alone. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. We were not taught how to be alone. We're, we're, we live in a world that's all about entertainment, and all about, you know, the external. So, it's going to take time, you know, it's, and, and these practices of art or music or um, writing, you know, it's, it's a way in. And I think that's why it's so essential that we find that way in and, and perhaps um, that will, that will lead to the change that will lead to the revolution, really, not just change. Wake Up Well is produced by Dry Brush Studios. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation or offer comments or suggestions, please email us at wakeupwellblockisland at gmail.com. Thanks.